Hello and welcome once again to Radio Elevate. My name's Cody Fair. I'm with Crosspoint Youth Ministries out of Jonesboro, Tennessee. And this is Elevate Youth Ministry that you're listening to today in Radio Elevate. Hey, we are in continuing on in our series of red as we're continuing to look on the sermon on the mount and this week we've gotten past the beatitudes and we're going to hit you with what's coming up next but first we're going to come at you with a little bit of worship and starting off with big daddy weave and the line and the lamb
We've got Third Day with Show Me Your Glory. I caught a glimpse of your splendor in the corner of my eye. The most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was like a flash of lightning reflected off the sky And I know I'll never be the same Show me your glory Turn down your presence I wanna see your face got Corey Asbury and Reckless Love. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. been so, so good to me Before I took a breath, you 
breathe your life in me You have been so, so kind to me
Hey, stick around because up next, we're going to continue on with our series red as we talk about our next lesson. Salt, salt, salt. Hey, Radio Elevate. This is Matt, worship pastor here at Cross Point Church. I hope you're enjoying this lesson. I want to give you an opportunity to give to Radio Elevate, a ministry of Elevate Student Ministries of Cross Point Church. You can text the word GIVE to 423-467-5311. That's 423-467-5311. And you can become a partner with Radio Elevate. Enjoy this lesson. You know, I absolutely love kitchen shows. It's somewhat of a guilty of pleasure of mine. There's just something hilarious to me about watching the judges compliment then sometimes just rip another chef apart because of the most minor of details over a plate of food. You know, I, I love watching Gordon Ramsay overreact over minor details. and I love listening to Robert Irvine say that something tastes like wallpaper paste. And... Two of my favorite shows are Chopped and Cutthroat Kitchen on the Food Network. And one of the most common criticisms that the judges give contestants on these shows are that the food is either under or over seasoned. And the most common common seasoning agent of them all is salt. Now, salt's main purpose when it comes to food is to enhance the flavor of food. Now, it doesn't change the flavor of food like another season like pepper or garlic or onions would, but it enhances the taste of the food that's already there. And as a matter of fact, Salt has a lot of practical uses for more than just cooking. If you add salt to soda water or lemon, it becomes a fairly powerful cleaning. If you add salt to an open wound, it becomes a cleanser and it it helps to clean that wound. Salt can be used as a remedy to treat poison ivy and mosquito bites. It can be used to melt ice, which is particularly handy when your sidewalk freezes out front in the wintertime. It can help to deodorize your smelly shoes, or it can be used to relieve dry skin. There are plenty of other uses for salt, and these are just some of the few, but the two biggest things that salt can be used for is to either preserve or it can be used to season. Now, isn't it crazy that God provides us on earth with a a substance that is readily available that we can do both of those things with? You know, before refrigeration, salt was used to preserve meat. So next time you're in the grocery store, take a look at the dried ham. Have you ever wondered why it doesn't have to be kept in a cooler? It's because the salt is preserving that ham and refrigeration is not needed. Just like food, God has used salt to demonstrate a lot of things in our life. And as we continue to discuss the Sermon on the Mount, God illustrates a point that is made many times in the Old Testament as he discusses the salt of the earth. Salt of the earth is a statement that you've probably heard before, and maybe you yourself have actually used that to describe somebody that you would consider to be genuinely good, but do you know what the origin of that statement is? Do you really know what it means? Do you really know how God has used this to teach us? 
Well, let's get to it just a little bit. As we continue on the Sermon of the Mount, we're going to be today in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13, and it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. So let's take a look at how the Bible uses salt to really understand what God is teaching us here. So first, we're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 19, 1 through 26. Chapter 19. That evening, the two angels came to the entrance of the city of Sodom, and Lot was sitting there as they arrived. When he saw them, he stood up to meet them. Then he welcomed them and bowed low to the ground. My lords, he said, come to my home to wash your feet and be my guests for the night. You may then get up in the morning as early as you like and be on your way again. Oh no, they said. We'll just spend the night out here in the city square. But Lot insisted. So at last they went home with him. He set a great feast before them, complete with fresh bread made without yeast. After the meal, as they were preparing to retire for the night, all the men of Sodom, young and old, came from all over the city and surrounded the house. They shouted to Lot, Where are the men who came to spend the night with you? Bring them out so we can have sex with them. Lot stepped outside to talk to them, shutting the door behind him. Please, my brothers, he begged. Don't do such a wicked thing. Look, I have two virgin daughters. Do with them as you wish. But leave these men alone, for they are under my protection. Stand back! Who do you think you are? We let you settle among us, and now you are trying to tell us what to do? We'll treat you far worse than those other men. And they lunged at Lot and began breaking down the door. But the two angels reached out and pulled Lot in and bolted the door. Then they blinded the men of Sodom, so they couldn't find the doorway. Do you have any other relatives here in the city? The angels asked. Get them out of this place, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone else, for we will destroy the city completely. The stench of the place has reached the Lord, and he has sent us to destroy it. So Lot rushed out to tell his daughter's fiancés. Quick! Get out of this city! The Lord is going to destroy it! But the young men thought he was only joking. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry! They said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out of here right now, or you will be caught in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angels seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. Run for your lives, the angels warned. Do not stop anywhere in the valley, and don't look back. Escape to the mountains, or you will die. Oh no, my lords, please, Lot begged. You have been so kind to me and saved my life, and you have granted me such mercy. But I cannot go to the mountains. Disaster would catch up to me there, and I would soon die. See, there is a small village nearby. Please let me go there instead. Don't you see how small it is? Then my life will be saved. All right, the angel said. I will grant your request. I will not destroy that little village. But hurry, for I can do nothing until you are there. From that time on, that village was known as Zoar. The sun was rising as Lot reached the village. Then the Lord rained down fire and burning sulfur from the heavens on Sodom and Gomorrah. He utterly destroyed them, 
along with the other cities and villages of the plain, eliminating all life, people, plants, and animals alike. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following along behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. That entire story is told to give us a little background before Salt is mentioned. Now, Sodom is a city that is running rampant with sin. It's really taken over. And as you can tell by the demands of the people at Lot's door, they're not concerned with their sin. They're concerned with their sinful desires. Now, there has to be some fear in Lot because even he offers his two virgin daughters as a replacement for the angels here. It's at this point in life that you have to realize you're so far into a world of sin that it's time to get out. Luckily, the angels instruct Lot to do just that, and they even allow him to go to a small village called Zor. They even tell Lot that they will spare Zor so that he and his family can stay safe there. However, Lot's wife makes a fatal mistake here. She disobeys the angel's orders when she looks back on the sulfur that is raining down on her former home of Sodom. Here's what you need to realize here. She's not just looking back to the destruction. She's looking back and longing for her former life of sin. Now remember, angels in the flesh have given instructions from God not to look back. And Lot and his family are God's people, but Lot's wife is mourning a, lot, uh, mourning a life that is not one with God. See, God desires a relationship with you, but he will allow you to turn away from him. However, you will also suffer the consequences of sin if you turn away from God. Lot's wife did this right here. When she turned around to long for her old life, she was turned into a pillar of salt. Now, there's a couple points to make about that pillar of salt. If you watch recreations of this scene on television, sometimes you may see that pillar of salt form and immediately deteriorate into the ground as it breaks apart. Some depictions will turn her into salt and then just move on to the next scene, but one thing to think about here is that by using the term pillar, it most likely means that she was something of a salt statue frozen in place. Now, the Bible does not give much more information on that pillar, but most likely she did not maintain the form of a woman when she was turned into that pillar. She most likely was just salt in the form of a, of a pillar unrecognizable from her life as a woman. That salt that she turned into here, it seasoned the earth and it seasons the world, but it did not season God or the kingdom of heaven. What good is it to season the earth? It's all going to be temporary in the end anyway. Basically, Lot's wife lost her salvation right here by longing for her old life rather than longing for safety with God. Remember the verse we're looking at today in Matthew 5.13 when it says, But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Basically, salt is good for its purpose one time. 
Once that salt's used, it cannot be used again. And in the case of Lot's wives, it was used for the world and not for God. We'll be right back after this break. Hey Radio Elevate, this is Matt, worship pastor here at Cross Point Church. I hope you're enjoying this lesson. I want to give you an opportunity to give to Radio Elevate, a ministry of Elevate Student Ministries of Cross Point Church. You can text the word GIVE to 423-467-5311. That's 423-467-5311. And you can become a partner with Radio Elevate. Enjoy this lesson. Next, we're going to head into one of the hardest books of the Bible to read. and Honestly, it's one of the craziest books of the Bible there is. It's the law, it's Leviticus, and we're going to discuss chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. And it says, Do not use yeast in preparing any of the grain offering you present to the Lord, because no yeast or honey may be burned as a special gift presented to the Lord. You may add yeast and honey to any offering of the first crops of the harvest, but these must never be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma to the Lord. Season all your grain offerings with salt to remind you of God's eternal covenant. Never forget to add salt to your grain offerings. You know, we'd have to get into an entirely different discussion to talk about the different offerings that God's requiring here in Leviticus and what is and what's not applicable today and why and why not. But for today's discussion, we're going to look at why salt is required in this offering that was needed at the time. See, Salt here is used as a seasoning, and it's implied that it is a pleasing aroma to God, but why is that? The seasoning here is not necessarily one of taste, but it's for seasoning of the spirit. The seasoning for this offering is something that enhances the spirituality that we share with God, and that's serving as a reminder of the eternal covenant covenant between God and his people. Now, we often hear about the covenant between God and man, but let's talk for just a second about what it is. In Exodus, the Ten Commandments are given to the people of God or Israelites, and in today's world, it's hard to imagine ourselves as Israelites, but ultimately, a believer is an Israelite. So, let's take a look at that covenant that God has between him and us, or the promise that he has made us. Exodus 19, verses 5-6 through 6 says, Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is a message that you must give to the people of Israel. Now, we're not people of this earth. You know, we're basically on a business trip here on earth doing God's work. Our citizenship on earth, our citizenship is in heaven with God. And the offerings that are given with grain that is seasoned with salt here in Leviticus is basically a phone call back to God that's saying, thank you and I love you. Salt is being used in these passages to season and preserve our spirituality and our relationship with God as well as the promise that he made us. This 
preservation is to remind him, or rather to remind ourselves and acknowledge that to him, that this salt is to maintain our purity and our desire for our relationship with him. So let's go back to Matthew 5.13. It starts out by saying, you are the salt of the earth. Now, after looking at what salt means to the earth and to the world and to God, it's a little easier to understand why we are the salt here on earth. Our lives can be used to season the world, or our lives can be used to season God. Our lives can be used to enhance the flavor and the agenda of the world, whether it be sports, politics, or whatever. Or our lives can be used to season God and God's desire for a relationship with Him. See, we have the ability with our life and our skills and our personalities and our relationships to season or enhance and influence all we come in contact with, but are we going to season and enhance the right aspect of ours in somebody else's life? You know, to use myself for example, I can play guitar and sing. I have the choice to never sing about God and to season the world by playing things that honor or playing songs that honor things other than God. Now, I don't want to imply that I don't listen and, and play other types of music, but I do also play music that is pleasing to God and honoring to God and use that to open doors to others so that we can speak openly about God even if it's in a worldly place. So I'm going to ask you, what do you have? Is it sports? Is it theater? Is it music? What ingredient do you have in your life that you can use a little bit of godly salt on so that you can influence others with it? When God calls us the salt of the earth, he is saying that we are the enhancement and the seasoning of him on this earth. We can choose to enhance and season whatever we want. We're given the free will to do so. But remember that after that seasoning is used once, it loses its taste. So if we choose to season the wrong things and enhance the ungodly areas of our life, we cannot go back and unenhance them. The extra flavor that we put on an ungodly area in our life is going to remain at least temporarily. However, if we choose to season the godly areas of our life, it will have an eternal effect on ourselves and on others and on God. So today, I'm going to ask you, which will you choose? Will you choose to enhance the world, or will you choose to enhance the kingdom of God by being the salt of this earth and seasoning God's kingdom? What does it mean that believers are to be salt and light? We're going to answer that question. Jesus used the concepts of salt and light a number of different times to refer to the role of his followers in the world. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Salt had two purposes in the Middle East of the first century. Salt was used to preserve food, especially meat, which would quickly spoil in the desert environment. Believers in Christ are to be preservatives to the world, preserving it from the evil inherent in the society of sinful and ungodly men. Second, salt was and 
still is used as a flavor enhancer. In the same way that salt enhances the flavor of the food it seasons, the followers of Christ stand out as those who enhance the flavor of life in this world. Christians living under the guidance of the Holy Spirit will inevitably influence the world for good, as salt has a positive influence on the flavor of the food it seasons. Where there is strife, we are to be peacemakers. Where there is sorrow, we are to be ministers of Christ, binding up wounds, etc. In the analogy of light to the world, the good works of Christ's followers are to shine for all to see. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. The idea here is similar. The presence of light and darkness is something which is unmistakable. The presence of Christians in the world must be like a light in the darkness, not only in the sense that the truth of God's word brings light to sinful men, but also in the sense that our good deeds must be evident for all to see. In view of these verses, what sorts of things can hinder or prevent the Christian from fulfilling his or her role as salt and light in the world? The passage clearly states that the difference between the Christian and the world must be preserved. Therefore, any choice on our part that blurs the distinction between us and the rest of the world is a step in the wrong direction. This can happen either through a choice to accept the ways of the world or to contravene the law of obedience to Christ. Mark 950 suggests that saltiness can be lost specifically through a lack of peace with one another. This follows from the command to have salt in yourselves and be at peace with each other. And in Luke 14, 34-35, we find a reference to the metaphor of salt once again, this time in the context of obedient discipleship to Jesus Christ. The loss of saltiness occurs in the failure of the Christian to daily take up the cross and follow Christ wholeheartedly. It seems then that the role of the Christian as salt and light in the world may be hindered or prevented through any choice to compromise or settle for things of the world. Moreover, the status of salt and light is something that follows naturally from the Christian's humble obedience to the commandments of Christ. It is when we depart from the spirit-led lifestyle of genuine discipleship that the distinctions between ourselves and the rest of the world become blurred and our testimony is hindered. Only by remaining focused on Christ and being obedient to Him can we expect to remain salt and light in the world. That answers the question, what does it mean that believers are to be salt and light? Research this question further on our website, gotquestions.org. Give a thumbs up and be sure to click subscribe. Hey, I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Radio Elevate. Thank you for GodQuestions.org for their further explanation of what being the salt of the earth really is. Now, next week, they just gave you a little preview because we're going to talk about being the light of the world. We've already talked about being the salt of the earth. Next week, we're going to talk about being the light of the world. Until next week, my name's Cody Fair. I'm with Elevate Youth Ministry at a Cross Point Church in Jonesboro, Tennessee. And I thank you so much for joining us for this week's edition of Radio Elevate. We'll see you right back here next week.